I'm Carol Joy Side, and welcome to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. You're listening to episode 26. This is a podcast to help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Well, today I am just so honored to have a personal friend and um, an urban legend, Dr. Sam Storm, with me. He has just had a huge impact on our family's life and I hope on yours as well. If you haven't met him, uh, you have a real treat ahead of you. Uh, We are going to be talking about a famous woman. Uh, You may have seen a pattern in my podcast that I am loving to focus on women that have influenced me personally or influenced the history of the church. And today we're going to be talking about someone who Sam knows as much as anyone about. We don't know as much as we'd like to about Mm -hmm. her, but um, I think he's going to really share some great insight into this lovely lady. Just so you know a little bit about Dr. Storms, uh, he was a graduate of Dallas SEM with a THM, and then he has a PhD from UT Dallas. He's pastored for 45 years. He's written, hold your seatbelt on this one, 37 books. He has been a professor of theology at Wheaton College. He is presently, and for the past 12 years, been the senior lead pastor at Bridgeway Church in Oklahoma City. And my son and daughter-in-law were greatly enriched by having Dr. Storms as their professor and mentor, particularly my daughter-in-law. And my son had the honor of serving under Dr. Storms as pastor of discipleship and community here at Bridgeway Church for about eight years. So, Sam, I'm so honored to have you with me. Well, it's great to be here. One, just two quick corrections. Okay, tell me. Number one, I'm no urban legend. <laughs> no, you are. <laughs> no, 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 no. I can say it. <laughs> and secondly, I also co-officiated at your son's oh, and daughter-in-law's true. wedding. That is so true, and it was amazing. It was a great one. It, it was. really was. And Dr. Storms has just hot off the press. Uh, is this number 37? It's about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, written a wonderful book called Understanding Spiritual Gifts, a Comprehensive guide and it is thick and rich and I just cannot wait to read it myself and Max Lucado and Jack Deere were some of the folks who endorsed it on the back so you're in good company. Sam is also the founder and head of Enjoying God Ministries and that is your website as well? Yeah it's um, you can go to enjoyinggodministries.com or easier just samstorms.org. Great. Great. So. Okay. See, urban legends have their own websites uh, with well. their name. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So tell us about who we're going to be talking about today. Sarah Edwards, the wife of Jonathan Edwards. Uh, of course, Jonathan, uh, justifiably famous, uh, probably outside of the writings of the New Testament, the greatest single influence on me theologically. Uh, not that I agree with everything, because there are several things about Edwards and his theology that I disagree with, but... Uh, just a tremendous Puritan, born in 1703, died in 1758. Uh, by the way, it's a very interesting, and we'll get into this at the very end. I'll share more then. But everybody's talking about um, the COVID-19 pandemic and are we going to have a vaccine? Well, Edwards, toward the end of his life, uh, assumed the presidency of what eventually would become Princeton University. Okay. And about two months into his time there, he agreed to kind of be a guinea pig for a vaccine for smallpox. 
And about two months after that, he became deathly sick from it and died rather quickly. So oh, <laughs> people no. ask me, are you going to get the, va- the COVID vaccine? I said, well, Jonathan kind of <laughs> makes me have a little pause there, but hopefully science is better today than it was then. But um, uh, Sarah was born, Jonathan was born in 1703. Sarah was born in 1710. So they were seven years difference. Um Perhaps the most, um, and I'll just start at the beginning, the most well-known thing about Sarah was something Jonathan wrote about her. Um, She was 13 years old. Now, think about this, (laughs) folks. 13 years old. Uh, You don't typically think of 13-year-old girls as really spiritually sensitive and mature. I'm not, (laughs) those of you who were and are, God bless you. Um, But Jonathan, she was brought to his attention, and he uh, observed her. He, he watched her life. He got to know her a little bit, and he wrote a, um, a brief explanation of this young 13-year-old girl. And it, more than anything else, will give you a sense for what kind of woman she is. I'm going to wow. read it to you. Oh, please. And how much older in years was he then? Seven years. So oh. Jonathan was okay. 20 when he wrote this about Sarah at the age of 13. 13. They say there is a young lady in New Haven who is beloved of that almighty being who made and rules the world, and that there are certain seasons in which this great being, in some way or other invisible, comes to her and fills her mind with exceeding sweet delight, and that she hardly cares for anything except to meditate on him, that she expects after a while to be received up where he is, to be raised up out of the world and caught up into heaven being assured that he loves her too well to let her remain at a distance from him always. There she is to dwell with him and to be ravished with his love and delight forever. Therefore, if you present all the world before her with the richest of its treasures, she disregards it and cares not for it and is unmindful of any pain or affliction. She has a strange sweetness in her mind and singular purity in her affections, is most just and conscientious in all her actions, and you could not persuade her to do anything wrong or sinful if you would give her all the world, lest she should offend this great being. She is of a wonderful sweetness, calmness, and universal benevolence of mind, especially after those seasons in which this great God has manifested himself to her mind. She will sometimes go about from place to place, singing sweetly, and seems to be always of joy and pleasure, and no one knows for what. She loves to be alone and to wander in the fields and on the mountains and seems to have someone invisible always conversing with her. Oh, my word. <laughs> that doesn't describe someone 90, let alone someone I know 13. It. So Jonathan fell in love with her. Um, they got married in 1727, so she was 17 years old. And he was, uh, what, uh, seven years old. So he was 24. Um, Jonathan was, is well known for spending anywhere from 12 to 13 hours a day in his study. Um, and yet, it, that's also led to a misconception. Yeah. He, was, he would welcome people from his church into his study. He wouldn't go and visit them. He would open his home and his study to them. But he was the consummate pastor scholar. Mm. Um, they had 11 children total. Uh, the first uh, was born in uh, 1727. So, um, no, excuse me, that's when they got married. The first one was born um, 
about 13 months later in 1728. Okay. And the interesting thing about this is that when I put together a chronology of Jonathan's life, the first 10 of their children were born at two-year intervals. Every two years, almost to the month, <laughs> they were born. Yes. Until um, something happened to Sarah that people still marvel at and they quite tr- don't really quite know how to, to, to understand. Um, but it was in 1742, began in January, and it lasted for about three weeks. She had one of the most profound spiritual encounters that I have ever read of anyone. Jonathan had gone on a ministry trip. He traveled by horseback to various towns. He was gone for about two or three weeks. And there was a guest preacher that came um, to Northampton uh, where he was pastor. And it's not altogether clear how it happened, but uh, the, the Spirit of God just visited her. And for those two to three weeks, <laughs> to put it mildly, she was largely incapacitated. She was so overwhelmed with the glory of God and the beauty of Christ and the reality of her salvation that um, she would be in conversation with somebody and begin talking about the Lord and his mercy and his just the greatness of his grace. And she would just begin weeping and she couldn't stop. And there were times where she would literally fall out of her chair. She, they, in those days, they said their bodily strength was overcome or they lost their bodily strength. It's a nice way of saying they basically collapsed, and it, 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 it was only because she was so overwhelmed, yes. so it, it was kind of like the, the Lord had pulled back a, the veil between heaven and earth and disclosed his glory to her in fresh ways, and you just have to read her description of it. It is absolutely remarkable, the language she uses to describe what happened, and this went on for, um, like I said, about three weeks, yes. when... Uh, when Jonathan returned home and he saw a little bit of what was happening with her and he heard her describe it and others, he asked her to write it out, to, to write out her testimony. Yeah. yeah. So it is available. You can How read you, it. Um, where can I get it? Yeah. Well, if you have the work collected works of Jonathan Edwards, <laughs> <laughs> you can get it there. I don't think I have those. Right. Um, <laughs> you can find it on my website. Okay, so just good. go to samstorms.org. Okay. And there's a little tab at the top that says resources. Click on that. And then there's a little drop-down menu. Click on articles. And all these topics will suddenly show up. And you go down to the bottom, there's one that says the theology of Jonathan Edwards. Uh You click on that. There are probably 45 articles. And one of them is called The Stretching of Sarah Edwards. Oh, perfect. The Stretching of Sarah Edwards. Or to make it even easier, just go to the website and type that into the search bar. Okay. Um, And then it'll come right up. It should come right up. Okay. And, you know, I think I'll get my assistant, Rachel, to also put it on our notes Mm -hmm. from the podcast and the link to all that. Thank you. So it's, um, I'm trying to think how long it is. It's probably eight to ten pages, single-spaced. Wow. And so... When Jonathan was so impressed with this, but he was protective of his wife. Yeah. He didn't want Sarah, because remember, this is the time of um, the, great you know, the Great Awakening, a lot of controversy. <clears throat> so in order to protect her, he rewrote the testimony in a way that you can't tell if it's a man or a woman. He took out, yeah, gender-free way back then. <laughs> But for a different reason, obviously. Um, but he rewrote it, 
in kind of a way in which you would never suspect it was his wife unless you unless you were there. Yeah. And that's the way it actually appears in the collected works. But then there's also the version of her own personal hand. Yes. When she pinned And this. is that the one you've got on your website? That's the one I've okay. got on my website. I can't wait to read it. It is absolutely incredible. <laughs> wow. um, there's an interesting thing. At the very end of it, Jonathan wrote this little paragraph. It's uh-huh. very brief. Yeah. He wrote, quote, Now, if such things as Sarah experienced are enthusiasm, now remember, enthusiasm <laughs> then meant emotionalism, yes. you know, fanaticism. Yes. If such things as Sarah experienced are enthusiasm and the offspring of a distempered brain, <laughs> let my brain be possessed evermore of that happy distemper. <laughs> if this be distraction, I pray that God that the world of mankind may all be seized with this benign, meek, beneficent, beatific, glorious distraction. Wow. So, wow. Uh, incredible experience. Um, it's People need, I, don't, I want people to understand this. Very important, Carol. Mm. Don't read this as if it's normative. Okay. I mean, I've had people read it, and then they go on this guilt trip. Why yeah. have I never uh-huh. had this visitation for the Lord? What's yeah. the matter with me? Well, a handful of people that I know of and, and trust their integrity have had something like this happen. It's, it, but it is in, vastly encouraging, incredibly um, um, Christ-centered. It's not... It's not about her experience. Yes. It's about her experience of the grandeur of God. That's what it's all about. Yes. A few years ago, my son asked me how I knew my method was working. I told him I know homeschooling is working if a child is reading under the covers with a flashlight. That's because a child who stays up late at night reading loves learning. And isn't that the goal of education? to make lifelong learners. We don't need a lot of what I call holy hardware to give our children the very best education they can get. As Dr. Raymond Moore used to say, a good education requires a Bible, a library card, and a math curriculum. It doesn't have to be complicated or expensive, but you do need a plan. Over the last 35 years, I have created invaluable book lists that separate the wheat from the chaff. You don't have to waste time or energy on finding books that are worth your time. I've done the hard work for you. These book lists are the key to my system. They will save you thousands of dollars and lots of false starts and wasted energy. They really are the foundation of my approach. For the first time ever, you can get all of my book lists in one place. I've created an online course all about homeschool to teach you everything you need to know to make homeschooling work. The class is self-paced and topic-based, which makes it easy to access the videos and book lists over and over again. Visit my online store or click the link in the show notes to start all about homeschool today. Now back to the show. So um, that's probably what Sarah is most well known for. Um, she that was the break in the sequence of children. Uh, wow. They had eight daughters and three boys. Okay. Um, as I mentioned, it was in March of 1758 that Jonathan died. Uh, it was 
a, he was she was not with him. She had not yet moved from Northampton, Massachusetts, to to, um, to where Princeton was uh, in New Jersey. Um, and he wrote Jonathan on his deathbed. Wrote uh, his daughter Lucy a, a little comment that she was to pass on to Sarah. Okay. And it goes like this. Dear Lucy, it seems to me to be the will of God that I must shortly leave you. Therefore, give my kindest love to my dear wife and tell her that the uncommon union which has so long subsisted between us has been of such a nature as I trust is spiritual and therefore will continue forever. And I hope she will be supported under so great a trial and submit cheerfully to the will of God. And as to my children... You are now left to be fatherless, which I hope will be an inducement to you all to seek a father who will never fail you. Oh. Referring, obviously, to God. Yeah. It's interesting, that phrase, uncommon union. Um, there's a book written by a lady named Elizabeth Dodds called Marriage to a Difficult Man, <laughs> The Uncommon Union of Sarah and Jonathan Edwards. No way. Yeah, and it's um, it, it it's, what would we call it, biographical fiction. Yes. So it's not a... She obviously elaborates a great deal, but she um, she describes the marriage as mar- marriage to a difficult man. My wife says she's going to write that one day as well, no, her I don't own think version. So. I don't think um, so. But uh, it's a great book. It's it's. I think it's probably been out of print, but my guess is it's back in print somewhere. Oh, People I'm want excited. To, so if you want to read more about Sarah from yeah. uh, that kind of perspective, you can yeah. get it. Now, Sarah was actually very sick when she got news of Jonathan's death. Um, She got news of it on April 3rd, and then she wrote a brief note to their daughter, Esther. And here's what she said. What shall I say? A holy and good God has covered us with a dark cloud. Oh, that we may kiss the rod and lay our hands on our mouths. The Lord has done it. He has made me adore his goodness that we had him so long. But my God lives and he has my heart. Oh, what a legacy my husband and your father has left to us. We are all given to God, and there I am in love to be, your ever affectionate mother, Sarah Edwards. Um, So that was in April of 1758. In October, she died from dysentery. She was in Philadelphia at the time. Um, She was only 48 years old. So Jonathan died at the age of, uh, let me figure this, 54 and a half. She was 48. Um, wow. And they had eleven children. Um, Though he slay me, still I will. Yeah. Praise him. So it, there's a trust level there, good or bad. That's that's a new approach for American Christians. Yeah. Another thing about Sarah that, that m- most people don't know about. Yeah. Um, the Edwards lived again, you know, the the first half of the 18th century in New England. <clears throat> and it was a time of considerable warfare um, between the colonists and uh, Indians, Native Americans. Yes. And there were many, many occasions in which Sarah and Jonathan would open up their home mm-hmm. to soldiers. Wow. And they would, they would sleep there. They would sure. feed them. Remember, they've got 11 children they're dealing with. But um, they would open their home. Sarah was incredibly hospitable very generous with uh, her time and their resources. Um, never complained about Jonathan's work schedule. And, yeah. uh, you know, here's a man I often tell people, I often ask, can you imagine what he would have accomplished if he'd had a computer or the Internet? <laughs> yes. And then I thought to myself, maybe not. Uh-huh. 
Maybe he wouldn't have suffered the distractions that modern technology imposes on ding, us. Ding, yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> maybe the reason he, he accomplished so much is because of, of that. By the way, Jonathan, um, there was a massive shortage of paper in those days. Yes. And Sarah would help him. She would, uh, when she would go shopping, if there was a, a, a piece of paper or a shopping bag, yeah. a paper bag that she would bring things back, she would give it to him and he would write his treatises and his sermons on every conceivable piece of, of uh, paper that they had available. Um, when Jonathan would, um, would uh, go out on his journeys into uh, the woods, he would get on horseback, he would ride out, yeah. and he would have all of these thoughts, all of these ideas come to him. And Sarah would have given him, before he left, little kind of like sticky notes, <laughs> you know, the, his yeah. version of sticky notes. And he would write down his thoughts and pin them to his coat with little straight pins. No. And so he'd come back in from these trips, almost a daily thing, and there'd be 15, 20, 30 little sticky notes pinned to his coat, and Sarah would very lovingly pull them off and help him and collect them, and then he would write his treatises from those thoughts that came to him. So they were an unusual couple. Uh, she was a, obviously a, an incredible um, uh, housewife, we can use that word for somebody back then, yeah. raising 11 children, lost a couple of them. Uh, when they were still, when Jonathan and Sarah were still alive, they lost a couple of their children. Yeah. Back in those days, obviously, very common. infant mortality. Now, none of their children died in infancy, but um, it was very common for for children not to live very long. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just a remarkable woman. Uh, like I said, if you really want to dig into her and understand her mind, uh, reading that uh, yes. that narrative that she wrote, uh, as well as Elizabeth Dodd's book, would be would be very helpful. So closing, Sam, would there be a Jonathan Edwards without a Sarah Edwards? Oh, I, I can tell you what he would say. What would he say? <laughs> he would say absolutely not. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, my. Um, yeah, she, I, I think he would have, the way he spoke of her and the way he trusted her with so much. I mean, he had to entrust her with handling a lot of the business affairs of the family, providing for 11 children being the wife of a local church. And, and there's another factor here we, we didn't even talk about. I don't know that we have much of what she said in response to this, but Jonathan got fired by his church toward the end of his, in the early 1740s, about 1742, 43, maybe 44. can't remember the exact year. Um, the church voted to fire him. It was over a number of issues, one of which was, he, for he abandoned the practice of allowing non-Christians to come to the Lord's table. That had been practiced for years. They they viewed the Lord's table as a what they called a converting ordinance. Okay. They said, "Let them come to the table. God will use the elements to yes. regenerate their hearts." Jonathan said, "No, no. <laughs> the Lord's table is meant for believers." Right. Well, that infuriated these traditionalists in the community, and there were other reasons. One was. He had, quote-unquote, the audacity to ask for a raise, a salary increase, because he's, he's trying to take care of 11 children. Yes. Um, so there were a number of things that offended the church there, and they fired him. And I just thought, how did Sarah handle that? Mm-hmm. Here she had watched her husband just give himself totally to these people and to yes. their lives and preaching multiple times a week for years. 
and then to watch him be treated so poorly it was but that was when he went to princeton no he went from there to um stockbridge massachusetts and basically taught the native indians there theology and the bible for about seven or eight years wrote wrote his uh, most famous and deeply theological treatises during that period so he and sarah and the children moved to stockbridge and um Jonathan had a real heart for the Indians, the mm. Indian community, and he he catechized them, he taught them, he pastored them, um, and loved, was, loved them well. And then it was the end of that period that he didn't want to go to Princeton. He said, "I'm not fit for administration. I'm only fit for thinking and writing." <laughs> but um, he did go. Uh, as I said, Sarah unfortunately never was able to join him there, mm. and that's where he passed away. Wow. What a legacy. These women, you know, they didn't have big fancy careers or um, degrees after their name, but without them, the church would look very different. Oh, incredibly, yes. Massively so. Yeah. I, I, we can't even imagine whether or not Jonathan would have produced what he did that has influenced so many generations if Sarah had not been there mm-hmm. at his side. Yeah. Who knows how much she spoke into his ear and mm-hmm. corrected him on things where he might have gone astray. Um, one day we'll know, but um, right now we can only imagine that she was an incredible, incredible wife to him. Wow. I can't wait to meet her in heaven. Yeah. Well, this has been so great. Thank you, my friend. And thank you to our listeners for joining us this week on the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. If you like what you heard, I'd appreciate a rating and a review on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help too. Visit my website, caroljoyside.com, to subscribe to our monthly newsletter and receive exclusive discounts in my online store where seminars and interviews are available. Be sure to tune in next week for my next episode where I help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Blessings. Blessings.